For those uh, visiting with us today, hey, we are thrilled that you are here, and we want to invite you into our journey for uh, for this Lent. Uh, for this season, we've been on a thirsty journey. I've uh, been gathering at the well, thinking about water, uh, and getting thirsty uh, for God. So far, we've talked about uh, getting thirsty for God's love for us, His Lordship over our life. Um, and then uh, we've talked uh, last week, hopefully you heard a message about getting thirsty for God's Spirit. Just getting thirsty for that energy and that spirit that comes only from outside of us, not inside us, but as God invades uh, our life. So today we take another step on uh, getting thirsty. Uh, today it's about getting thirsty for what God wants. Just getting thirsty for what God wants. Not what we want, but what God wants. And uh, what I want to do this morning is show you some biblical things that lay the foundation that give you permission and call you to that kind of life, that kind of thirsty life that in every moment you're, you're seeking what it is God wants, right? And of course, of course to, to get there, you got to be able to push aside what you want, right? And, and we get the example of that from Jesus himself. We jump right into the Word, and you go to Luke 22, uh, and it says Jesus is experiencing the challenge of what lies in front of him in Jerusalem. In Luke 22, it says, Father, if you will, please don't make me suffer by having me drink from this cup. So he's up front with God, right? He's up front with the Father saying, man, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a challenge. And I just assume, if it's at all possible, that I don't have to face this. But notice the next words that he shares with us. And uh, just to set the tone, would you say those things with me? To get you thirsty from the beginning and, and what it feels like to be in that position? Well, good morning. Come on up. This guy's thirsty. I love it when kids get thirsty for the word. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, that's how we start them out in, in being, you know, preachers like me. You just get them there. Get them up here. Get the feel. Well, anyway, we're going to start you out getting you thirsty to, to see what it feels like to say exactly what Jesus said. Because this is the thirst we're talking about this morning, okay? It, it's to say what he's saying here all the time in our lives. You ready? Because there's so many things that are going to be pushing against us, and, and they're going to push us to do what we want, and instead we understand the way to life is not do what we want, but do what God wants, to be thirsty for what God wants. You ready to get thirsty? Here we go. Let's say it together. But do what you want and not what I want. Oh, how's it feel? See, you can do this. You can do this. You can put yourself in the footsteps of Jesus and say, you know what? Life is not about what I want. You see, if I live a life that's about what I want, then I'm going to follow that wide path that leads to destruction. And the only path that leads to glory is to say exactly what Jesus said. Oh, it may be a narrow path, but it's the only path that's going to lead us to any kind of significant, incredible life. It's to say, you know, life isn't about what I want. Life is absolutely everything about what God wants. It's about what God wants. Jesus discovered that as he's facing this challenge. And it wasn't easy. But as he faced the challenge, he came predisposed with a foundational understanding in his life that said, you know what? 
I'm not in this, this earth to do what I want. The Father sent me, and I'm here to do what He wants. And that's the same for us. If we're going to do that, then we need to get some, some foundational things into our minds and into our hearts so that we understand how we can do this, okay? Let me show you some stuff. It start out, starts out by all of us understanding that there is no challenge that's going to come into our life apart from these certain things. So nothing's going to happen in your tomorrow that God isn't ready for. That there's nothing that's going to take place into your tomorrow. No challenge like Jesus was facing here. There's no challenge that's going to come into your life that, it, that will be apart from these certain principles that we look at this morning. Okay? Number one, nothing's going to happen in your life uh, that God can't use for His purpose. There is no challenge in your life that you're going to face that God can't use for His purpose. All we have to do is go back into a real-life experience of God's people. We can go back to uh, uh, the Old Testament and the experience of uh, Joseph. Remember Joseph? Right? Guy with a cool coat. Right? Technicolor coat. Right? Now, remember his life. He's got the cool coat. He's one of Dad's favorites. Everything's going good. But his brothers, his brothers are on the jealous side of things. And so when the opportunity presents itself, they take Joseph and throw him in a pit. Some guys come by who are going with a caravan down to Egypt and they're slavers, so they sell him off. He goes down to Egypt. While he's in Egypt, he's a slave. And then he is uh, unjustly accused and he ends up in prison. Is life going good? Not so good. And yet, in the midst of all that, Joseph just keeps keeps praying to God. He keeps looking for God in all of it. And by the time it's all done, Joseph ends up being second to Pharaoh. And he saves Egypt and he saves Israel. God uses him. He saves Egypt and he saves Israel. And when his brothers come, his brothers who sold him into slavery, which put him into prison, when his brothers come, here's what Joseph says. It's in Genesis 50. Joseph says, you tried to harm me. Now look at this. But God made it turn out for the best so that he could save all these people as he is now doing. What happened? Did Joseph understand that when he was thrown in the pit and he was sold off to the slavers, did he understand right there and right then that everything was going to be fine? When he was in the middle of the challenge, did he just kind of kick back and say, well, you know, it's going to work out okay. Now, he had to go through the challenge. He had to go through the experience. But when he got through the experience, he could understand the basic principle that no matter what happens in our life, when we seek what God wants, God will always use it for good. God can use any circumstance in our life for good. Let me give you another example. It's when Jesus was doing ministry. Uh, he was doing ministry and... Uh, close friend of his, Lazarus, became came sick. And Jesus hears about it. And his response is, his sickness won't end up in death. It will bring glory to God and his son. What did Jesus understand about the challenge that Lazarus was now in? Well, he understood that that challenge had the opportunity within it to bring glory to God. Right? Let me give you an example. We'll give you a hokey example here, but maybe it'll work. Um, I have with me some grapes. Fantastic. You like grapes? I like grapes. Absolutely. 
Now, on the outside, and I know these may not be the right kind, but they're grapes. Um, on the outside, they just look like grapes, and you could eat them like grapes, right? But inside the grapes, the grapes also have the potential for becoming something else, correct? Sure. So, they could end up in this bottle and become grape juice. Now, do you see that right away when you look at the grape? I mean, it doesn't scream to you when you look at a grape and it says, inside is grape juice, right? It doesn't scream and say, inside is the potential for grape juice. When you look at an orange, do you look at the orange and you say, wow, inside there's incredible potential there for pulp-free or pulp orange juice or pulp orange juice with calcium added? And yet, does the orange have the potential for all those things? Absolutely. Correct? Does the grape have the potential for all those things? Absolutely. Who made it? God made the orange. God made the grape. God knew from the beginning each of those things had the incredible potential for all this opportunity. Correct? When this stuff happens in our lives, God understands what they can become. Nothing that happens is beyond God's ability to create. God didn't just create in seven days and say, well, okay, good, I'm done. No. God is working in all those circumstances. We'll see it. And every one of those circumstances have the potential for something more. An orange has the potential for all those kinds of orange juices. A grape has the potential for grape juice. And all the circumstances that you experience have the potential to do what God wants and to bring Him glory. Joseph understood it. Jesus understood it. Paul understood it. Let me give you an example from Paul. It comes out of uh, his letter to the Philippians. Now, this is incredible stuff. Paul starts out saying, My dear friends, I want you to know that what is happening to me... Now, here's what's happening to him. Right now, as Paul's writing this letter, he is under house arrest. He's imprisoned in Rome. He is most of the day chained to a Roman guard. Anybody want to volunteer for that duty? Most of the day, he is under the eye and and chained to a Roman guard. And before this, he's been shipwrecked and, you know, all kinds of challenges have come his, his way, right? So here he is in Rome now, chained to a Roman guard, under house arrest, and he looks at his situation, he says, now I want you to know this, I want you to know that what's happening to me, this experience, has helped spread the good news. What does he understand? that God can use this experience that you and I may look at and say, man, that's horrible. Paul looks at it and says, this is opportunity. This experience has within it the opportunity, and we're seeing it, it's spreading. It's spreading the good news. He says, the Roman guards and all others know that I am here in jail because I serve Christ. Now, most of the Lord's followers have become brave and are fearlessly telling the message. What's he see? See, this experience that's happening to him has within it the potential to do what God wants and bring glory to God. He looks at it and says, when the world would say, man, that's horrible stuff, Paul says, wow, this is fantastic. Look what's happening. I'm preaching the gospel to the Romans. And and the people of God are being fearless because of what's happening to me. This is incredibly good. Because God is accomplishing what God wants. Do you see that? 
Now here's what's really neat. He goes further here, and look how he interprets it. This is interesting. Some are preaching about Christ because they are jealous and envious of us. Good motive? Nah, not so good motive, right? Some people are out there preaching, not for all the right reasons. Others are preaching because they want to help. That's a good thing. They love Christ and know that I am here to defend the good news about Him. But the ones who are jealous of us are not sincere. They just want to cause trouble for me while I am in jail. Is everything hunky-dory? Absolutely not. He's got some people out there preaching, and they're not preaching for, uh, you know, for Paul's benefit, but they're preaching. Look what he does in verse 18. But that doesn't matter. All that matters is that people are telling about Christ. Did you see that? He's saying, look, all this stuff is going on, and not all of it's good stuff. But God can use even the not-so-good stuff to tell people about Jesus Christ, to do what God wants. Whatever experience you face, it has the opportunity to do what God wants and bring Him glory. It's in the opportunity. Why is it in the opportunity? Because of the next principle. Because God is always present. Simply because of God's presence. Because God is always present. God spoke to the people of uh, Israel back in Isaiah uh, 43 at a time when Israel was facing some significant challenges. And he says this, When you cross deep rivers, I will be with you, and you won't drown. When you walk through fire, you won't be burned or scorched by the flames. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, the God who saves you. What does it say? It says God's going to be in it. You see that? It says God's going to be in it. See, God doesn't just say, well, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be out here on the edges, right? I'm, how you doing? I'm here. <laughs> no, it says God's going to be in it. When the rivers are rising up in your life, God is going to be in it. When the flames getting hot around you, God is going to be where? In it. You see, everything has the opportunity for God because God chooses to be in it. Right? He chooses to be in the experience. And because He's in the experience, while you may not see it right away, it always has the opportunity for God's glory to do what God wants to do. I'll give you another example. Uh, Enterprise, Alabama. Anybody ever been to Enterprise, Alabama? Yes, we got three. Last service we had, uh, we had one. Yeah. Okay, so check me out if I'm right here. Uh, story is in Enterprise, Alabama, there is a uh, monument there to the bull weevil. Seen it? There you go. I'm authenticated. Thank you. <laughs> As I understand it, it's not very big. It's not about yay big. Something like that. And it's a woman and the woman's holding up a a bull weevil. That's what I was told from first service, right? Holding up a bull weevil. And of course, all the high school guys come and paint it and do all that kind of stuff with it and try to steal the bull weevil. But that's a side story, right? So anyway, there's a, there's a statue to the bull weevil. Now, why in the world would Enterprise Alabama have a statue to a bull weevil? Story goes, uh, down in Enterprise Alabama, uh, the main crop down there for years and years and years was cotton. So they planted their cotton. And of course, one year they planted their cotton and in came the boll weevil. And the boll weevil decimated the cotton crop. Decimated. 
Those that survived scraped a little bit of their money, whatever they could together. They went out and borrowed as much as they could borrow when the next planting season came up, and they planted cotton. And, of course, when they planted the cotton, what came back but the boll weevil, and it wiped them out even more. Not knowing what to do, they finally uh, turned to a new kind of crop, and they started planting peanuts. The peanuts were so successful that in the first season that they made a harvest of the peanuts, they made so much money they could pay back the debt they had for the last two failed crop seasons with the cotton. That the peanuts became such a successful, profitable industry for them. Now, do you suppose when that boll weevil was wiping them out, they saw the boll weevil as the opportunity for for, uh, an incredible new future? And yet the reality is, when they look back, they built the statue because they understood they never would have started planting peanuts if they didn't get the boll weevil. They didn't see in the boll weevil the opportunity. See, that's what we do. See, we have to remember, God is in it. And when God is in it, it means there is the opportunity for something else to happen. We may not see, we we don't have the same vision that God does. We may not understand the total outcome, but God is in it and God does. He sees the picture much bigger than you and I do. See, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen 200 years from now. We don't understand when we're in the middle of whatever we're facing, but God already understands how the outcome can be. It's for us to just trust. If we do what God wants, God is in it. And God's going to bring the conclusion according to whatever brings Him favor. He gives us the promise. Matthew 28, He gives us the promise. I will be with you how long? You see that? He says, look, always, there's never going to be a moment that God is not in it with you. There's never going to be a moment. In fact, he wants to get that through to us so much that he gives us this broad-reaching promise that he says, look, I'm going to be in it with you even until the end of the world. He bookends it. There's never going to be a moment that I'm not in it. And that means every moment has the opportunity. If we just do what God wants, not what we want, what God wants, for God to take that moment and make something better out of it, something for his purpose. Why does all that happen? It happens because we have to understand God is also a God who has to give permission for things to happen. And that means because God loves us, God gives permission at this point in time for evil to still be in the world. Now, there will be an end time when God says, okay, we're done with that. We're done with that. But for now, God still gives permission for evil to exist in the world. He has to. He, if He doesn't give that permission, we don't have lives. But because He gives that permission, we now live in that free will opportunity to be in relationship with Him or not be in relationship with Him. He gives us permission so that we can live. And we can choose to live and do what He wants, not what I want. Let me give the example of permission. Job, Job 2. Then the Lord uh, asked, 
What do you think of my servant Job? No one on earth is like him. He is truly a good person who respects me and refuses to do evil. And he hasn't changed even though you persuaded me to destroy him for no reason. What happened? God gave permission for evil to come into Job's life. And yet God always knew the bigger picture of what could happen in Job's life. God understands evil is going to come into our lives. Challenges are going to be part of our lives. But God chooses to be in it. And God knows the potential of the outcome. We can go to uh, Jesus as um, uh, he experiences challenges that other people are facing as he's walking around and doing his ministry. And there's some folks that say, Lord, look, there's this guy who's been blind since birth. Is he blind because his parents sinned and his grandparents sinned? Jesus' response is, no, no, it wasn't that at all. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him. Do you see that? They're saying, look, why is he blind? Is he blind because his parents sinned or somebody? No, Jesus is saying, no, it wasn't that at all. It's part of the world. It's part of a broken world. Evil is going to have its sway for a while. It's part of a broken world. But understand, even in the broken world, even in the challenges where evil wins once in a while, miracles happen. God is in it. And God is going to do His work. We see it again with Lazarus. Remember, I told you that one? We see it again with Lazarus. And Jesus heard about it. The sisters sent it and said, His sickness won't end in death. It will bring glory to God His Son. What's He understand? Even in the evil, even in those moments when the darkness has hold of us, God is in it. And if we just get thirsty for what God wants, it has the potential for something greater. We can see that from uh, folks' lives. Has anybody heard of John, uh, John uh, Bunyan? Wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. One of the most profound Christian writings, right? Yeah, do you know where he wrote it from? Prison. He was in prison when he wrote that. Um, M, uh, Fanny Crosby, she uh, was blinded by a mistake that was made by a doctor. And even in her blindness, she wrote three thousand hymns that's awesome isn't it i mean one would look at her and say oh life's no she wrote three thousand hymns and you go on to other kinds of folks uh, like johnny uh, erickson tata she was paralyzed from a uh, diving accident and yet god took hold of her life in the midst of the challenge and she's been an artist, and she's been a writer, and she's been a motivational speaker. She has a whole organization that's spreading the gospel of Christ. Challenges? Absolutely. But who is in it? God was. And when God is in it, it's like the orange. It always has the potential for orange juice. When God is in it, whatever we face always has the potential. The key we have to be able to believe and trust that God is always right. That God is always right. It's God's rightness. Okay, When we're in those experiences, it is to believe what Paul told the Romans. We know that God is always. How often? See that? Never a time. Always. God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves Him. Loves him. They are the ones God has chosen for His purpose. You see, we get thirsty 
for what God wants. We can say, like Jesus said, Lord, I don't want to have to go through the challenge. Of course not. None of us want to. But when it comes to be able to say, it's not about what I want. It's always about what you want. And when you put yourself in that place, when you say it's all about what you want, God, you just open the door of opportunity for God to do a great thing with your life. Did God do a great thing with his son? Absolutely. And it happened because he put himself in the position that said, it's not about me, God. It's not about me, Father. It's always about you. You see, when you put yourself in the position that says, it's not about me, it's always about you, then God can do his work. God can take whatever you're experiencing and he can create the opportunity for something greater. And he's always right. He's always, always right. Folks, get thirsty. Get thirsty for what God wants. When you're thirsty for what God wants, then life opens up. When you concentrate on what you want, life closes down. Let's pray while the band comes up. Father, we come to you this morning. We want to be we want to be thirsty like Jesus. We want to be just thirsty every day for what you want. We see the examples of Joseph and the, we see the example of the Apostle Paul and most of all, we see your son Jesus. That when he faced that challenge, he could look upon it and say, look, it's not about me. It's all about you, Father. It's all about you, what you want. Lord, help us to have that same thirst, that same thirst for what you want, to, to face tomorrow and just face it and say, God, it's your day. God, it's your moment. And God, my life is not my own. It is yours. Do what you want. And Father, we know when we do that, when we make it about you, you will always work for our good. You work for our good. And you'll make life more than we ever dreamed. Father, we thank you and we ask you for this thirst. In Jesus' name, amen.